This is VLX number 50, Jesus Heals Two Men with Demons, Matthew chapter 8, verses 28 to 34. God give you his peace, in nomine Patris, Affiliate Spiritu Sancti. Amen. God our Lord, we ask the grace that all of our intentions, actions, and operations be directed purely to the service and praise of your divine majesty. In nomine Patris, Affiliate Spiritu Sancti. Amen. And when Jesus came to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him, coming out of the tombs so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them, and the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. The herdsmen fled, and going into the city, they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. Thus are the words of the Holy Gospel. Okay, well, today's a very wild day in the gospel. So if you're doing this meditation as a family, I might suggest the parents listen before the kids do. Because I don't know if you notice, we hear these gospels so often, we often miss how radical these things are. We had people popping out of graves today, demons rushing into animals, and pigs drowning. All like a 1980s horror movie, but it was real. Today, I'm also going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to mix in the apophatic, the way of St. Bruno, with the cataphatic, the imaginative way of prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola and St. Teresa of Avila. And if you're new to the series, don't worry about what that means. Just jump into either using your imagination in prayer or just kind of chewing the cut on a couple words and not using your imagination if you can bring this to 15 minutes to prayer. The other thing that's going to be a little bit unique today, I'm going to go line by line. Probably I should do that more often. So let's start at the top. It says, Jesus came to the other side to the country of the Gadarenes, or the Gadarenes. Now, the Gadarenes, these are non-Jews, as you can see from the fact they're keeping swine, which is unclean for Jews. Probably everybody out there knows that. But notice as we go on in today's Bible study how a society that does not have true religion, and yes, Judaism was the true religion back then, and a religion that puts animals before humans and money before humans becomes Demon-possessed, literally demon-possessed. Maybe I shouldn't point out causality, but there's at least correlation there, I think. I don't think it's a total coincidence for St. Matthew, what he's telling us there. Okay, the next line is this. Two demon-possessed men met him, met Jesus, coming out of the tombs so fierce that no one could pass that way. Now, the Greek there, when it says two possessed men met him, the verb also means opposed him. It could either mean met or opposed. So opposed Jesus And then the Greek has this very interesting line that I missed a hundred times reading in English, but today reading it in Greek. It says, ek menemeon, which means literally coming out of the tombs. I thought these guys were just hanging out around the tombs, but it actually has coming out of them. The Latin shows that too. It's de monumentis exeuntis, which is literally exiting out of the tombs. Exiting is exeuntis in the Latin Vulgate that St. Jerome wrote. And then de monumentis, as you can imagine, is from the tomb. So these guys are coming from under the ground. Very, very gross. And then what are they doing after they come out? The Greek says halapoi leon. Well, the word halapoi in Greek is violent or dangerous. And leon is exceedingly. So it says 
they are exceedingly dangerous and violent. So here you have two possessed men literally laying in tombs underground. And then when people come by, popping out of them and terrorizing anyone who passes by that way. In fact, when I got to the word strong enough in Greek in my own reading, it's ishuain, that, that word is in there today. Um, I thought it meant strong enough, and it does mean that. And when I saw that word ishuain in Greek, I thought, okay, this is going to be that passage where it says no one was strong enough to bind these two possessed men. That's not what it says. Here it says no one was strong enough to pass by that way. Not only could they not bind him, no one was even strong enough to pass by that way. And the ESV is correct in saying so fierce that no one could pass that way. So fierce or strong. These guys were so violent, fierce, and strong. Not only could nobody bind them to help them, no one was even strong enough to pass that way. And speaking of passing by violence, remember in the ancient world that anyone who traveled had to be ready for roadside bandits. So for St. Matthew to say that these two were exceedingly violent to passers-by, that wasn't just a couple of guys, say, snarling at people from up in the trees. You see why we're not having kids meditate on this section? I mean, you can if you want, but I'm just thinking kids under 12 might be a little scared if they're actually picturing in their imagination what St. Matthew wrote under inspiration by God. Okay, the next line. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Okay, who cried out? The demons using the bodies of the two possessed men. Very terrifying. Now think especially, if you're doing this imaginative way of prayer, what St. Ignatius of Loyola or St. Teresa of Avila would have you do. Maybe picture these two men living underground and scaring people. What did they look like with so many demons in them? How many demons did they have? Well, we don't know, but it filled apparently dozens or hundreds of pigs. So I imagine, you know, if there were 400 pigs, were there 200 demons in each of these guys? I don't know. But imagine looking at these two. They're sunken in black eyes and probably wounds from all over their body. A lot of times people um, in the Bible are harming themselves if they have demons. And they're living in tombs where dead people are so, supposed to be. So there's dirt, not from living on the ground, but in the ground, as the Greek said. So these poor two men, it's not them who are recognizing Jesus as the Son of God. The demons inside them do and they hijack their vocal cords to snarl what have you to do with us O son of god have you come here to torment us before the time now imagine just being this rookie disciple right there because this is still at the beginning of the gospel here and imagine you just went from that last scene where jesus was calming a storm okay now there's calm and then there's total drama again but this time the chaos is not in the storm but in the bodies of two human beings totally filled with real-life demons. Now, that is a very, very weird line that demons ask Jesus while hijacking these two human bodies. And by the way, I use hijacking not to sound dramatic to you, but because demons have no natural rights over any humans. I'm not an exorcist, but I've been listening to the YouTube channel of an exorcist I know quite a bit. And he really is very clear. Demons have no natural right over you and me. And that's why I use the term hijacking. Uh, but they say something very weird as they hijack the vocal cords of these two men. They say, have you come here to torment us before the time? Lapidae has something very interesting to explain to us about that line from the church fathers. Now, for it is certain from scripture and the fathers, that the devils from the beginning of the world were condemned as soon as they sinned and were tormented in the fire of hell. For, for by that fire, they are tormented even when they are away from it. So he continues here. 
When therefore they said to Christ, Art thou come to torment us before the time? They did not speak of the ancient, perpetual, irrevocable torment of hellfire, but they deprecated any new torment which they feared Christ might inflict upon them. This new torment was their expulsion from the bodies of those whom they were in the habit of possessing, as St. John Chrysostom says in Homily 29, the diminution of their power in tempting and annoying men and their banishment to the prison house of hell. For the devils rejoice when they are permitted to move about in the air, both because they have some degree of liberty therein to wander through various regions, to conjure up storms, drought, sicknesses, plagues, etc., and also because they have there the ability to tempt and afflict men. So I wrote my little conclusion here. I said, I think Lapidae is saying the demons are in hell even when they're also on earth. Let me say that again. I think Lapidae is saying the demons are in hell even when they're also permitted to be on earth causing trouble, but they have not only hell to pay, but the punishment of reduced power over men when Christ arrives on scene. Hence this line, have you come here to torment us before the time? Okay, that next line. Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them. When I was doing my own mental prayer this morning, I was really struck for some reason with the word distance in Greek, makran. And so I pictured when I realized that was an important word, these were in the distance. I had never pictured it like that, but that's one of the advantages of doing one of the original languages. You can kind of catch words that you didn't notice. Well, only today did I picture these pigs way, way over Jesus' shoulder, like maybe a mile away on a top of a cliff, and that cliff is over this giant lake. But like, imagine 200 pigs in the distance, maybe way over Jesus' shoulder. Okay, next line. And the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. So this morning, the word that struck me the most in the Greek there was if. Again, sometimes you look at these words in Greek and it's the weirdest little word that really strikes you. So why is if so important? Well, I think the demons say, if you cast us out, because you know the church fathers say Satan did not know Jesus was God when he was tempting him in the desert. Let me say that again. The church fathers say Satan did not know Jesus was God when he was tempting him in the desert. Yeah, Satan knew he was a great prophet. That's why he's bugging him out there. But he didn't know he was God yet. That was hidden from Satan. So... And I certainly agree with the church fathers on that. They don't need my approval. But I do believe when we read today's gospel passage, it does seem that the demons must have known Jesus was the Son of God, even if not God yet. They must know he was the Son of God if they say, first, what have you to do with us, O Son of God? And also if they know he has the authority, unlike any prophet before him, to send 200 of them out with just the blink of an eye. Hence why they're so terrified of Christ and say, if you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And why is pigs better than hell? That's what Father Lapide just explained a few minutes ago from the church fathers. Okay, next line. So they, talking about the demons, came out and went into the pigs, and behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. So if you're doing the imaginative way of prayer, I really suggest you pretend like you're a disciple and you hear that rumbling of hundreds of pigs in a stampede in the distance. Does the ground shake under you? Do these two possessed men collapse to the ground in total exhaustion but total peace? So imagine you're this rookie disciple. You've gone from a sleepy job as maybe a carpenter or a fisherman to now joining this rabbi who calms storms and lets demons go rushing into pigs so humans can be free. 
Never a dull moment with Jesus. Okay, the next line, the herdsmen fled, and going into the city, they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. Okay, remember what I said at the beginning of this podcast. These are non-Jews, as you can see from them keeping swine, which is unclean for Jews. But notice how in a society that doesn't have the true religion, and a society that puts animals before humans, and puts money before humans, that type of society becomes demon-possessed, it seems to be saying to us. And, you know, I promise to keep VLX politics free, so let's finish on the positive Positive note to end on as you're meditating on today's very dramatic episode or pericope. If you're doing the non-imaginative way of prayer of St. Bruno, I might suggest you pick one of those lines that shows Jesus' absolute power and meditate that on that for 15 minutes. Maybe that line that the pigs, quote, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters, end quote. Why in the world would that be a good line to meditate on? Well, because it shows Jesus puts humans before demons. It shows Jesus uses all of his infinite power for mercy. We often think of Jesus' mercy as opposed to his justice, but what an amazing meditation today that he executes his justice against demons to use as full mercy for humans in freeing humans from demons. Um, You can imagine those, whatever, 100, 200, 400 demon-possessed pigs go rushing into the ocean or the sea, and then these two men how long were they possessed for? Five years, 10 years, 20 years? Are immediately and absolutely free and clean. Christ's power is not against his mercy. His power is his mercy today. And his mercy as redeemer of the human race is his infinite power as God against these demons that are only hijacking his sons and his daughters. That's worth meditating on. Okay, if you're doing the imaginative way of prayer, I might suggest you picture seeing those demon-possessed men in their three stages through today's pericope. Number one, when they were possessed. Remember earlier I described them with their sunken and black eyes and wounds all over their body. Dirt from living not on the ground, but under the ground. Stage two, the moment of their liberation. Falling exhausted to the ground and probably looked dead. I don't know. St. Matthew doesn't say, but you can imagine they were exhausted from all those years of diabolical possession. And three, them standing up. Now picture, and this is where I think in the method of St. Ignatius of Loyola and St. Teresa of Avila, there's some artistic license. Jesus comes over to them and lifts them up. See their eyes finally look human again. They went from black to brown or black to blue, whatever eyes you picture in your meditation. And these two men, probably crying like that exorcism scene in the Russian movie Ostrov, means the island, where that girl finally realizes that she's not just free from that demon that had been tormenting her when the monk frees her on that island in Russia, but she's crying because it's so horrible what she has been terrorized of of all these years, or terrorized by through all these years. So how do these two men today picture their faces? How do they look at Jesus who freed them from years of filthy torture, of living in tombs and being forced by these demons inside to come out of these tombs and terrorize people with violence, people who passed by, maybe people they knew. Well, it wasn't these guys doing it, it was the demons inside them, but now they're free and they have these clear eyes, see their faces, these clear eyes, tears streaming down them. And what is the first thing they see? The eyes of the Son of God 
looking at them with love. Please say an Our Father for me. Et benedictio Deum, et potentis Patris, et Filii, et Spiritus Sancti, descendet super devos et maniat semper. Amen.